pay to play, doing your homie a solid, the stowaway. No, I'm not talking about favors in the congressional dining room. I'm talking about visa scams. Coming up on the Fraudcast Patreon. like a ghetto version of the Kama Sutra that has all those listed and like with like pictures and diagrams. Is there? I imagine <laughs> there is. If not, someone needs to come up with it. With the visa Seems scams like, or the congressional I, I, dining room favors? No, it's like it's like the it's like the the, D, the DC Kama Sutra and the, and they have the moves, the stowaway and the pay to play. <laughs> the you know. DC Kama Sutra is all about how lobbyists get what they need. Yeah. Well, pay to play is actually a way of doing bills in in Congress. I hate to break it to you, but lobbyists don't get it. Don't always get what they want. What? No, not always. But there's a there's a perception that lobbyists are more powerful than they are. And um, yeah, it's not always true. Yeah, I think that, you know, I don't know. That might be a very D.C. specific worry. Well, the way influence the way influence works in Washington is very poorly understood. Um, and so when you have when you have people when you have like politicians and, and groups who are who are talking about, you know, the interest groups, blah, blah, blah. They're usually it's usually all a red herring. It's not where the real power is wielded. Um, and the the sophisticated people know how to sophisticated lobbyists know where real where the real power is and how do we use it that way? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I just woke up. I'm sorry. Sorry, I fell asleep there for a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome back to the broadcast. Who, who do you work for again? <laughs> what? You work for the people of the United States of America. <laughs> I, I'm saying that that uh, that our Patreon about power influence in Washington D.C. bores me to fucking tears, and I fell asleep listening to you talk about it. <laughs> Listen, I'm pretty sure. We can make it interesting. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? D- come over DC, here. You're going to come DC over Kama here and Sutra. beat me up. The DC no. Kama Sutra. You guys no, are going to make the book. I'm gonna re- yeah, we're going to do the. D- we're going to illustrate the DC Kama Sutra. Lord. With colored <sighs> pencils. <laughs> Crayons. Crayons and colored <laughs> pencils. Um, hi, welcome back to the broadcast. It's us. You're, you know, um. I was going to say humble, but we're not really first, all that first humble. First dumpster divers. Uh, your team of dumpster divers is here. And tonight, today, whatever it is in your world, um, we are going to talk about visa scams. Now, there are so many visa scams. We had to divide this into multiple episodes. So this is just one episode. We're only going to talk about some of the scams. Um, I know, I know you'd be really surprised to hear that there's multiple layers of scams that people try to scam their way into the United States to get visas, uh, including relationship scams. But we are going to talk about several. We happen to have a, you know, visa expert on our panel now. A panel? On our co-hosting desk, on the desk with us, um, Agent C has joined oh. us. We're talking about someone else. 
<laughs> you do a surprise like, guest. Surprise guest, yeah. He's like, I didn't see that in the outline. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to turn it over to Agent C um, in, in shortly. But basically, okay, so why, why are we doing this? Because... We're always talking about relationship fraud, like what are bona fide relationships, people being in things like being in a relationship for the green card. They're, why does this person like this person has to be for the green card? Um, the, all these things that we see on 90 Day. Um, but in order to be better informed citizens, we need to understand the types of visa uh, scams that exist and sort of sort of the different ones that exist and how the U.S. government recognizes them. Because this is a question that's often out there as, as I do Friday Night Lives under our, like our Instagram pages. I see it on Facebook. All of these various things that people ask, well, was, would this influence the people who issue the visa? What about this? Does this matter? Does this matter? And so we are going to educate everybody on well, all five of you who listen to the Patreon, how the U.S. government recognizes some of these scams. And so what better place than the fraudcast, right? Fraud, the fraudcast. This is why you love us. So um, without further ado, Agent C, talk me through pay to play. Right. So and I'm not gonna... talking about what you do in your bedroom after dark. Uh... That would be play to pay. I was thinking pay are we to talking play. About, are, we, are we talking about microtransactions? <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Cowan knows what I'm talking about. Are you, are you Bitcoin mining in there? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Okay. No, no. Um, I was thinking no, I about have, the, the dead hookers you have buried in your, in your apartment. But, they're you not know. buried. There she goes with the murder shows. <laughs> See? <laughs> I have a spare murder, murder room. I don't, need, I don't need to bury anything. They're stacked um, up. They're just, stacked just, up. Just make sure you have the right, the right kind of air filter. Yeah, you're fine. He's like, you know, there was bad insulation in this place before. Fixed not, it. Not, not anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. I did have complaints from my neighbors when I lived at that building. Um, okay. Pay to oh, play. You're, okay. You're that, that's your shit I found. Right. <laughs> Some, Literally my shit. <laughs> you're you're into some weird into some weird stuff. I, I was drinking, say. still drinking when I was in there. So yeah, drinking know, and murder mysteries. Yeah, that must have been a good mix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Accident, murder, or suicide? Yeah. Boy, we that that sure got awkward. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's our new version scams. of Fuck Mary Kill. Visa scams. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about some visa scams today. And we're going to focus on three particular visa scam patterns uh, where all parties are complicit because these are the um, these are the ones that we're most adept at identifying. And these are the ones that the. Oh, he's US using big words. That the Expensive US government. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, sorry, Asuelu, if you're listening. There's, there's no off-brand word for this, right? Oh, shit. We killed Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> Accident, murder, or suicide. <laughs> so, oh, my God, so, I died. So just, just so you know, we are going to be in the market for a new host for this show. <laughs> we'll be if taking you're interested, send a DM to... 
<laughs> yeah, please send us a DM on Instagram. Not oh Katrina. She won't be able to read it for much longer. Uh, but, us, but us too. Knowledge uh, of anime porn is preferable. <laughs> yes, knowledge of knowledge of tentacles is required. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> you just narrowed down the applicant pool. <laughs> I think I just widened it actually. Your mom, in, in, mama, why didn't it? In the way, in the way that only tentacles can. Hey, fraudcasters. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge. I know I've always had problems with it, whether it was the fit or the quality. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims, the maker of my perfect t-shirt bra. Now I have the perfect t-shirt to go with that bra. From either crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. My cotton jersey t-shirt is now a wardrobe staple for me. I reach for it almost every day and the fit is so perfect because it snatches me right in at the waist. I've washed it a million times and it's held its shape really well. It fits like a dream. I absolutely love it. And honestly, you guys, I thought like, okay, this shirt is going to be too small for me and it's not going to fit right and all the bulges are going to show but it doesn't at all. I put it on and it magically stretches to fit me perfectly and it holds all those bulges in. Every little but last bulge that I have is all held in and it looks fantastic. I absolutely love it and it's super, super comfortable and it is it is one of my new favorite t-shirts. You can shop the Skims t-shirt collection at skims.com, now available in sizes extra, extra small up to 4X. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu. All right. All right. So anyway, a little, little tidbit about me is we have uh, a tentacle toilet paper roll holder. Oh, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, I think that's a whole other episode of Strange Sex. That's going to be on the house tour I put on YouTube. All right. <laughs> I'll show you the tentacle room. Anyway, oh, visa scams. Visa, visa scams. scams. Hey, okay. Focus. All right. So, so we're gonna we're gonna focus on three common types of visa scams, and these are the ones that we who are in the field are on the lookout for the most because they're the most scammiest of your of your possible visa scams that involve relationships. So the first one is what I like to call a pay to play, and the setup for this is pretty straightforward. You have Petitioner A, that's your American citizen, and they have a connection somehow to Beneficiary B. That's the foreign person who wants to get over. Um, Petitioner A has agreed with Beneficiary B that they will enter into a marital relationship uh, for some type of um, monetary remuneration um, in exchange for them going through the immigrant visa process in order to bring that person over and then also sticking with that relationship for the two years required to initiate and complete uh, removal of conditions. Um, the reason for that is because you, you only get a two year provisional green card when you, when you marry somebody, if it's the marriage has been under two years. So you have to get through that two year process before you can uh, uh, get your full green card and um, you know be able to stay here full time. And this is pure. It's purely for money. It's pure. The people don't know each other. They don't love each other. They're not in any kind of close, intimate way uh, with each other. It's purely basically an American citizen 
taking money for marrying a person so they can adjust status or or come over on an immigrant visa. And this is the one that we're best suited to look for. We have many, many different types of fraud indicators that we look for in order to identify this particular type of fraud pattern. And it's also the easiest for the system to address and deal with from an administrative and legal uh, perspective, because there's no way you could claim especially when you can prove that they were doing it for money, that there is any kind of bona fide relationship. Um, it's, you know, it's bona fide, not modified uh, relationship. So, um, but these relationships... <laughs> modified, not modified. I just got that's that. That's right. It's not a modified relationship. <laughs> uh, the other thing to keep in mind with this is that these relationships can extend beyond uh, beneficiary B to beneficiary's children, C, D, E, however far you want to go. And indeed, it's it's the case that stepchildren, particularly stepchildren who are um, this is a bit of a misapplication of the term, but are who enough who are followed to join. Follow to join is actually only for derivative beneficiaries. Um, but basically, let's say mom or dad, it's usually mom, goes over first and the kid stays behind and then they bring the kid over later. Um, so we would call that a non concurrent stepchild. So they're not coming over at the same time that the beneficiary exactly. is coming Those over. Ca okay. That category of case is very high fraud. Um, we see lots of fraud with those. So I actually. So when can I was you explain it a little bit more about like what what it is, what makes it fraud? And like so these aren't really their children. They're not really related to them. Like what is it that makes them fraud? Not the relationship between A and B. Clearly that's fraud if you're, you know, they're paying to, mm -hmm. to bring the person over. But. The rest of the children, it, that is that separate fraud? Yes. So suppose okay. that petitioner A has married beneficiary B. But beneficiary B says, hey, I also have a kid I want to bring over. Why don't I give you an extra $20,000 and you can petition for the kid? Um, because petitioner A is married to beneficiary B, petitioner A is also technically, by the vent of marriage, a stepfather to child C, D, E, and child meaning up to the age of 21. And by virtue of that, they are able to file a IR2 or CR2 or IR2 petition. CR2, if the marriage has been, the step, the step parent, stepchild relationship has been under two years, they can file for that and get the kid over. Now, we would see lots of fraud in this particular category. Um, sometimes we, you know, especially, like let's say we weren't able to catch uh beneficiary B's fraud, um, you know, you know, you might, you might see they've gone off and done something else. And now they're trying to use that relationship to bring the, bring the kid over. Um, and those cases are very difficult, are very difficult to interview for because the kid doesn't really know shit about, um, the relationship between his stepdad and his mom. Like, you know, they, right, to right. the, to the degree that, that we need in order to, to make sure we're not dealing with some sketchiness. And because kids, you know, we don't, we are um, the U.S. government is extremely sensitive to human trafficking, especially with children. So they so, want to be these, they want to be these extra children, careful. though, are legitimately biological children of that initial beneficiary benefit. They are beneficiary B's biological children. OK, so they are legitimate children. They're not like, yes. oh, I'm going to bring cousins I mean, and aunts they, and uncles they, and say, call them my kids. No, that we're not at that category yet. No, okay. I mean, they could it could technically be an illegitimate child born out of wedlock, but there's a biological uh, well, relationship. Bi that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you said, you if, it's a, see, if it's a female 
who was originally the beneficiary, she mm-hmm. birthed these kids or ado- had yeah. adopted them at some point, right? Okay. Yeah, we'd have to have a legal adoption. Um, right. To, well, that's pr- a whole other category that. I think you've <laughs> alluded to in the past. <laughs> yeah, adoptions can be weird. Um, so anyway, so you can see these sort of like exchange, these monetary exchanges affecting being used for you know adults and their and their children. We know how to look for these. They're pretty easy. They're pretty easy to spot. Oh, the kid, the kid ones. There's, it can be, it can be both tricky and it can be both. It can be easy. There are certain tools we can use in the inside the government to um, kind of do background checks on people, and it gives us a lot of information that can help us look for uh, particular fraud indicators. And when certain indicators we we find there, it's it's very clear cut that the case is fraudulent, and those those can be very easy. I actually instituted a robust system of fraud screening when I was uh, working in the government to help deal with these cases. We were having so much trouble with them. Are you able to tell us what are some of the things that you guys look for that would um, indicate a fraudulent relationship in this so, particular scenario? I mean, this is kind of obvious, but are mom and dad living together? If they're not, then you probably are dealing with a, with fraud. <laughs> But if you don't know, like if mom's already you, been over, how do you know? We, you can find out. We have we have the power. There are tool there are tools that we could use to find out. But I'm saying like okay with the kid, right? If you're interviewing the kid and say are mom and dad living together, and like they're like I live in Mexico, my mom lives in the United States. I don't know. We I would, assume they see, live in, together. <laughs> in those situations, we would actually pre-screen the cases. We would use some uh, law enforcement tools to make that determination before even talking to the kid. And that way, and and the reason, the the reason I instituted that system at my post was because it let the interview, that was done to make interviews efficient. Because if you had very clear evidence that there was, that there was this level of fraud going on, there's really no point in interviewing the kid and stressing them out. You just give them their, give them their, you know, gather the information you can, give them the ineligibility letter, send them on their way. Then they can get onto your other cases and we can be done before lunch. Um, (laughs) I mean, efficiency matters, right? There, That's there was the most right. important part. Like, no you know, you had like maybe lunch. 500 cases to get through it with a split between, you know, usually each officer would have 25 to 30 cases. And, you know, you can't keep applicants in the waiting room for hours and hours and hours. You want to have you have your interview window is at four hours and you got to get everybody out because there's a lot of because then you have to prep. You have to get the ready, the waiting room ready to get the windows ready for the afternoon session of people like mm-hmm. efficiency is really important. So this was a way we could more robustly identify fraud and then uh, in- increase our, our, our um, efficiency at the window. So it was, a, it was a good system. But so what about, here, okay, sorry. Like, keep going, like what, keep going. what about, what about, um, so that's like with the kids, like, and you mm-hmm. discover that fraud later. So then I assume mm-hmm. there's a communication to, to ice or whatever. Not to insane. ice. No, or we don't customs. communicate directly to ICE. We we would we would um, at that point we would uh, refuse the case under Section 221G of the Immigration and Nationality Act, which is just there to put the case on pause. And then we would send the petition back to USCIS, outlining our evidence with a recommendation that it be revoked. And um, then so okay, we, and then let them it, handle it. Then the USCIS, because the petition itself, USCIS owns that. State Department doesn't own it. Only right, they can okay. revoke it and we can give them information to help give them because that they didn't have access to 
that give, lets them make a, de- a new determination, but they have about to do that, that relationship that's already over. Like you've already issued right. the visa, that person's over. You're yeah. now through the child discovering that that relationship is not valid. Correct. You send the information to the people who have the authority to do something about it. Or so what say, about you know, okay. another situation would be like, let's say they snuck over the border. Right. And then they found somebody who could get them status. Right. That's another situation. OK. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the most common type of visa scam. It's you, you pay pay for status. But there are other what, ones that are. What are ahead. some things um, before you move on to the next category? Some things that would let you identify that as a fraudulent relationship before the children become involved, like with just the person, the beneficiary at your window and things that would let you know it's not a bona fide relationship. Well, there are a lot of ones and I won't reveal all the tricks. But right. That's why I'm not saying like if you can, <laughs> let's say you're interviewing somebody and they don't and they claim to have been in a relationship for three years but like they don't even know how tall the person is. Like, let's say Rose didn't know that Ed was shorter than her. Right. Okay. Then you'd be like, well, well, why is that? Why doesn't she know basic biographical information about the guy? Oh, it's because they really they spent like an hour together and she doesn't really remember anything because it was all staged by uh, some sort of fixer. So okay. stuff like that. If, if somebody has very poor bio, you know, re- recollection of stuff that for a relationship of that duration, they should know. Then you begin to suspect that uh, the relationship might be built, not not be built on a solid foundation. Okay. Or a foundation of fraud. <gasps> yeah. So that's one. That's that, that's a, a simple a simple trick that that we use. That's why the interview matters so that much. That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. So that's the first type of scam. Now, a second type of scam that we'll talk about is. Um, an extension of this first scam. And I like to call this one, it's, uh, I like to refer to it as doing your homie a solid. And this kind of comes from people who have, what do we, what should we call it? Um, more empathy than sense. Um, <laughs> because there'll be people, like, let's say you've got a friend who is an illegal immigrant or they are, um, here on a student visa and they're going to graduate, but they don't have, uh, you know, some sort of after after graduation uh, thing lined up, but they want to stay. They might try to you might say, well, you know, we can get into a, a paper marriage so that you can we can uh, apply for immigration benefits for you. Like Colton bit, Jesse. I mean, Colton Jess, like she was here on a on a J1. Yeah. J1. An, an au pair, an au pair, J, an au pair program, J1. Yeah. Right. So then like she can trick somebody or find somebody to marry her. You know, I'm going to say something that's maybe a little controversial. I think Jess is a little more apt to use a pregnancy trap. She strikes (laughs) me as that type. (laughs) Oh, my God. Damn. Um, (laughs) Even she she couldn't stomach having Colty's kid. (laughs) No, I, I have to think that like like it's it's like. When Colt reproduces like like the alien zoo, like with the face hugger and the chest burster, <laughs> I don't I don't think Colt reproduces like a normal human being. Voluntarily, you mean? Yeah, that exactly, exactly. Um, so um, like, remember, remember some time ago where TLC put out, and I don't know if they received anything, but casting had put out: Are you a student who is dating someone who is on a student visa? Do you remember mm-hmm. that? No, mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah. 
uh, Katrina probably does. So yeah. they, they cast it out, you know, I don't know what came of this, but they were looking for college stage students mm-hmm. who were dating someone with the idea of marrying to whatever the process would be getting mm-hmm. their, their visa over. So that would, that would kind of fall under that category. Right? Maybe that's, right. maybe they scrapped it for that. <laughs> no, well, you know, Hey, Fred's a nice guy and we don't want him to go. So, if, you know, we get married, yeah. then you can stay here. And in a few and then we'll, years, then we'll get we can get divorced. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Because when you're, cause let's face it, if you're a college student, you're not thinking into the future. You're not thinking about the implications of all of this. You're not thinking about if you're going to get in trouble with the law for entering into a, a sham marriage in order to obtain immigration benefits. You're not going to think about what actually happens to you when you get married and the legal re- responsibilities that come attached to it, especially well, if you're a guy. Some might not. I would have been on that. But no some, <laughs> I think that I'm going to say the majority, 99%, are not going to think that through. Um, so... <sighs> But people, people do that. I've, I've people, I've been asked to do it. Um, I've known other people who have done it. Uh, so that, that does have people do, will, will let their, their bleeding hearts, you could say, uh, cause them to enter into sham marriages in order to do a solid to their friends who want to, who want to stay here and don't have a legal means to do so. Um, not judging it one way or the other, but that is definitely a phenomenon that exists. The thing that makes that these ones difficult is because you're probably going to be dealing with people who are close in age and socioeconomic status and are, you know, or like they met in college. They're the same age. So it's, they know a lot more history about each other. And well, and if they're besties harder. anyway, right? I know yeah. a, a fairly decent amount. Like if we're close enough to possibly date then for you to ask that kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's a lot easier to put together a package and it's a lot harder for the government to, to track it down as not bona fide, especially if you're doing a domestic adjustment of status. So if they're already here and changing from one status Mm -hmm. to another. So, um, my first sponsor, when I first got sober, my first sponsor, uh, she ended up dating this guy who was here on, I want to say it's some kind of work visa mm-hmm. and, um, and he, the, the, whatever he worked for, the company lost the contract or something. So he lost the legal means that he had to be over here. Mm-hmm. And I joked, I was like, well, you're dating him. I said, are you guys going to get married? <laughs> and, um, I mean, I guess it would have been a bonafide relationship, but just, you know, yeah. she didn't want to get married. So they actually both moved to Germany instead because <laughs> oh, she ended up going well. to grad school there. It worked out. But I mean, as far as I know, they didn't get, haven't gotten married yet. But I remember thinking that like, oh, well, if he lost his job, then you can marry him to get him to stay here. Right. So that would be that change of status. I mean, it would be slightly different in that it would yeah. be a bona fide relationship, just like that shotgun wedding, so to speak. Only Yeah. In- and, and I, I just, I, they're not they're not that uncommon. I think people don't people don't realize how how common they are. I mean, non-judgment, right? This it's just it is what it is. You can have right. whatever opinion you want about it. Um, but that is something that that ha- that does happen. I think it's probably a little more common among young people than it is among the old. So like people. the this the Sandra Bullock and in Ryan Reynolds and the proposal. Was that one of these scams? Did you Was see that the movie? Was that status? 
It was for her status. She was Canadian, and she was working. Oh, that's right. And she was going to get deported, so she's like, yeah. you have to marry me. When did Canadians for, ever get deported? Only murderers get deported That's what she, that's what she was saying, and, and that's Laura. exactly what she said. And the, her company was like, well, until we sort it out, you have to go back to Canada. And she's like, oh, but I don't because I'm going to marry him. And it was it was fake, but then it they fell in love. Right. Just because that's how the movies go, right? Uh, right. Basically, she takes one of her subordinates and is like, you're going to marry me or I'm going to fire you. And oh my she, God. he was like, he was like, okay, well, <laughs> you're going to promote me then. And we're going to do, and, and part of the whole, let's prove we have a bonafide relationship was, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we told the immigration guy, we're going to Alaska where he's from to go to Gammy's wedding or Gammy's birthday. And then they announced there, you know, it was this whole thing. It was terrible. In, in movie fashion, there has to be some reason to go meet the parents so that. Isn't that a title seven violation? Closer. That's a bunch of Title VII violations. What they did isn't was it? a terrible violation, but she felt better about it at the end because they were actually in love. So mm-hmm. then it's okay through the process. But it started they fell out in love with like each other. They were going to pretend. You call it. Yeah, <laughs> they were going to pretend. Yeah, there's a lot Jeez. of employment law violations there that I'm not even going to get into. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Like but yeah, mess. I mean, I can imagine that that situation being there. Or I had a friend who... And the immigration attorney was there, or the immigration ice guy or whoever he was, was there at the wedding to, like, take her away, to haul her away when she They, they made that, that so... Yeah, that, that does That not was happen. so extraordinary. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like that uh, villain type thing where he's, like, lurking and spying on them. I'm like, no one has that much time. Like, did you have time to go spy on your your client or files or whatever you call yeah. them. You couldn't get <laughs> no. out behind your window. <laughs> we had, a, we had a, um, we had a pretty large fraud prevention unit, but only they could, they only then they could only handle a small number of cases to a high, to a high degree of, uh, of, of investigation. Um, yeah, it takes a lot, like it takes a lot of government resources to go after people. So yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that's why that's why ICE will do like big raids, you know, or they'll go after like the scummiest people because that's worth the agency's time. If it's you know, if it's if it's Joe Blow or or Fernanda or Larissa or someone, Sandra Bullock, they're not or Sandra, gonna... <laughs> Bu- or, or Sandra Bullock, like or they don't care. I mean, they they might care if it's Laura for some reason. I was going to bring her up. I was like, she's causing <laughs> she's causing some issues. You need to come back home. Is, is she, is she, Justin, is she, come get your grandma. <laughs> so I I got a message from someone who claims they live in the same town and they saw Laura's in Canada again. Well, she posted something from like a lake in somewhere in Ontario. Um, I'm assuming she's back home and that's home for her, right? People, mm-hmm. people have been people have been harassed, have been like not harassing me, but pointing that out on my video about Laura. It's like, OK. She still lied about on her segment about what she was doing. Um, maybe she did end up back in back in Canada. But the thing I want to know welcome is Welcome like, to is the she, 90 day fandom. Yeah, is she is she um is We've she been dealing with that entr- shit from day one. <laughs> yeah, but is she barred from entering the US again? That's the question I have. Yeah. Something so we'll probably never know. But some people you know, say the, she the is. The great thing is that we have a followers that are very, you know, everyone wants to say they saw someone, you get pictures and stuff like that. And so you start yeah. feeling like it's a you get uh, camera footage from a Seven Eleven. They're like, I think that's Laura. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets that detectiveish. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, hey, if you I think work, she came into my store today. What do you think? I'm like, I don't know. What I don't know. <laughs> if you work at Seven Eleven and you watch Ninety Day and you listen to us and you uh, surreptitiously steal footage from your security camera, <laughs> first off, we can be friends. 
Second, DM, come on this show. Slide into yeah, my on. on Instagram. We'll change, change your name. Yeah, Somebody sent not. me video footage the other day that they took out of their car window of Ed in San Diego. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that's all over the, that's all over the place. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's easy to spot, and he's one that's like you wouldn't confuse with someone else. <laughs> Seeing like. A messy blonde going into some footage with very pixelated stuff. You're like that. That's a lot of people yeah. I personally know. So yeah, I don't know if yeah. it's or not. But I would just like to encourage this behavior more. Um, so tell your <laughs> yes. tell your friends tell from your a friends. safe distance. Yeah. Um, don't do anything illegal. No, no, don't if you do. Anything. Don't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> so when you send us the footage, please make sure you attest to us that it was obtained legally. Oh my god. Sure. Um, so I need to it know. was obtained legally. Right. So is there so is there a ranking? So these visa scams, are they it's is any one less severe than the other? Like well, fraud is fraud. Scam, a scam, a scam, a scam. I mean it's fraud, yeah, but if they find or is it like out, really like, bad fraud or just like a little bit of fraud. Like is someone going to jail because they help their friends stay after college? There might be some. How do, how do people find out that these scams happen? Like, is after it happens, or is it just we know this is happening, but we don't have anything to stop it or prevent it? And There's once it's happened, it's happened. There's a lot yeah. of that where you don't have you don't have the the, thre- the threshold level of evidence to go after it in in a significant way. So you just have to kind of let it slide. Mm-hmm. For the we for call the that in my in my line of work, we call that insufficient evidence to mm-hmm. of a violation. So. If you're the if you're the foreigner, if you're caught before you go to the U.S., you can receive a permanent ineligibility that I don't think can be waived. Oh, um, damn. That's uh, we call that a six C ineligibility. That's INA section two twelve A six C. Can't um, come back. Yeah, and that that's what that's <laughs> never that's can will- come again. <laughs> and that's that's the that's the category for willful misrepresentation. So you have to prove ah. you have to prove material that the that the mis- Katrina will know what I'm talking about, that the that mm-hmm. the that the misrepresentation was material mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that it was done willfully. Those are both um, two very difficult things to prove sometimes. Materiality, especially materiality, especially is uh, yeah. is difficult, um, especially if like if you have if you have like material fraud, but then you had two other elements that were fraudulent that were not um, that were also material. You might not be able to go for the like it, de- it depends on how and how it's. um. Or like if you have one thing that you think is fraud, but you have two other material things that weren't fraud, you, it, get, it gets tricky. Materiality is very hard to prove. Yeah, right. And, it, and, has, it has to be a measured effect. Yeah, right? And so and so for you non-lawyers out there, material means uh, important or significant. Mm-hmm. Big. Yeah, like it would change the outcome if type of thing. Right. Exactly. Depen- yeah. Um, so more, more than de minimis. Yeah, slapping a slapping a six C ineligibility or or a willful misrepresentation ineligibility actually is pretty tough. I was going to say um, like that seems like a pretty harsh penalty. So I think at mm-hmm. least in like from my experience, mm-hmm. when when the penalties are harsher, you're you're going to um, have a higher threshold to prove them. Like to to hit yeah. somebody with that kind of a penalty. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're you got to make sure your evidence is all the way up here. Yeah. And when we get into the next category, I'll give you an example of where a six where a six C. Um, again, I'm sorry for using the the the, the lingo, the a, 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 a willful misrepresentation and eligibility could come into play. 
Um, but so so for the applicants, they can now if they're in the U.S. and they found that they obtain their status through willful misrepresentation, they can get deported um, and be given a permanent ineligibility for reentry. Americans can get hit with, civ with with civil and potentially criminal fines because when you sign those forms, you attest that the information is true and correct and violate. And you, there's some section of code that you violate mm -hmm. if it's found that you right. willfully misrepresented to the um, federal government and all that. To the yeah. federal government in your in your they always like of facts. Whenever you see jokes about this, like on the proposal or other, mm -hmm. you know, types of jokes, I always joke about, oh, my God, I could go to prison for 10 years or three mm -hmm. years or two, you know, federal, you know, not not, you know, local prison, but like federal pounding in the ass prison. If anybody <laughs> knows that reference, let me know. Office space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's help him out. Um, well, I know yeah, the reference. That you did. Yeah. In the movie, it's good, though, because they're trying to remind people this is illegal. It's so yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Just so you know, you're watching this movie and you like it. It's illegal. And I mean, it's not the, the whole process itself isn't easy. I can't I can't speak to someone who's done it for like fictitious reasons. But when my mother married my stepfather, who's from Nigeria and he was over here on, I think work visa or something like that and so like the process to try and initiate him getting his green card was pretty darn i think it was a lot the, so i mean like you're going through process. a lot to go through process, this scam yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah it's I not think like, like you're just signing a paper sending it out and going okay we're good like you have like to go we're married a few steps yeah. right <laughs> you got to get biometric scanning you have mm -hmm. to go through interviews yeah you get doctor's back appointments all that background yeah. checks med checks yeah because there are certain categories of disease that you're not allowed to be in the United States if you have, if you're not a citizen. Tuberculosis. Oh, right. Syphilis. Those are two really? of them. Really? Syphilis? Syphilis. Not a, STDs. But it's curable. No Some STDs? It, um, so they're more like cure it than come over. If you can cure it. Sometimes <laughs> they'll have... Okay, we're, we, we'll talk about medical ineligibility we're drifting. some other time. We're drifting. We're drifting. We're, we're drifting. drifting. Focus, focus. We're hydroplaning. <laughs> We're hydroplaning. Um, yeah. So w w what's our next I have scenario? A really, I have a really <laughs> awful story about syphilis um, oh. for a future episode. Is that why you're Ew. blind? Yeah. No, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about, about someone that came into my window. I washed my hands like five times after that interview. Oh, my God. Um, um, okay. Go ahead um, with the scenario three. All right. So Speaking scenario so, stowaways. So scenario three, I call the stowaway. Um and so we need to go a little bit of background in order to understand how this particular scam works. So we've been talking so far about what are called immediate relative categories. And those are categories that basically it's you get to bring over one person, your spouse, your child, your parent. Um, you're only allowed one person on that petition. These other categories are um, they're they're what we call um, numerically limited the technical term is is our family preference categories, but think about it as um, they take longer to get categories, and they all are have an F, F1, F2, F2A, F3, F4, F2B is another one. Um, and so that's for things like your sibling, adult children, uh, stuff like that. And those, and there are other ones too that are outside the family preference system that, that allow that as well. And so in those, you'll have your you'll have what's called a primary beneficiary. That's beneficiary B. But then they also have what's called derivative beneficiaries. And what that means is that 
the these other beneficiaries derive their status because they're related to the primary beneficiary. So that's the beneficiary's spouse and their biological children who are under the age of 21. Although that although there's some really complicated stuff with how they preserve status based on uh, excessive processing times. But we're not going to talk about we're not going to talk about the Child Status Protection Act because it's boring. <laughs> Suffice it to say, spouse and kids can come over on these types of categories. And in, ca- in countries where you have um, unreliable vital record documents like birth certificates or certificates of marriage, where they were, you know, they're handwritten. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And, the rec- and, the, and the vital records office is, you know, bribable. Um, you can be in. And then you combine that, that factor with the factor of these cases take decades to come current. Um, and I don't want to get into to to uh, priority dates and things like that. That's very complicated, but they take a long time to get to the point where they can actually be issued. Um, and and because there's such a long intervening period, um, you know, you can have when they applied, maybe they only had one kid, but then they would add kids to the to the case as it goes forward. Well, sometimes people try to slip in a kid, slip in the neighbor's kid or their cousin, um, <laughs> You know, and okay, this is going to sound really bad. It's China. Everyone looks the same. Oh, my God. You did not. I'm just saying that they think they can get away with it. Um, and this would be common. You'd see. And especially because like. You so know, they'd say it was their own kid. But yeah, and they would really have and they would have. And if they, and like the China, you got to credit the Chinese. They play the long game. They might cook up this scam like like 15 years ago and they'll have all the all the family pictures have the kid included. And they, oh, and the they, neighbor and, kid. Yeah, the neighbor kid included. And then they fake the and they fake the birth certificate, too. And so, like, by the time you get to the interview, you actually think it's their kid um, or they just try to throw the kid on at the last minute, maybe through like an adoption or something. Uh, but which which can, then can also be faked. So you have to be super careful with like the big families to make sure that all the. Um, all the kids are actually the, are actually the, the person's kid. And you do that because, you know, you've been in country long enough. You look at them like, you know, kids look like their parents. So you just kind of <laughs> make you just kind of make sure. Or it's like if they if like the kid only showed up in like the picture from the last two years, but not from any of the other ones. And the kid's like 13. It's like. Oh, maybe there's something up with that. We don't like him very he, much. He's camera shy. He's the one taking all the pictures. Yeah, he's the one taking the picture. Um, we he he didn't he was not our favorite kid, so he didn't get fed. You know. Yeah. You know that's why you know. Yeah, that's why he looks like the neighbor you see in the background over there. Um, so anyway, um, that used to be a lot more prevalent than it is now with DNA testing. Because if you think there's something up with one of the kids, you DNA the whole family, um, which means every person in the family does a DNA like a paternity maternity test. And if it comes back conclusive, then you're good. But so every now and then, every now and then one of the kids will come back not biologically related to the to the parent. And that's a case. And hopefully of will- that's not news for them. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just oh, saying that's God. not the way you want to figure out that that's not your kid. <laughs> it was the neighbor's oh, kid. Oh, God. <laughs> the neighbor's kid. And she, your wife was Dad, cheating on, Dad is cheating like, on the neighbor. What? You're like, a different God. kind of stowaway. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh. Dad's well, like, oh. <laughs> so for those of you who are worried, there actually is a private interview room that we that we had. Most of them will have a private interview room. So, okay, like if you have to say, you're not the father. 
you could go to it in the private room and the whole waiting room won't hear you say that's not your kid you're not the father <laughs> and then they start, it's not a more situation through, yeah, until, it doesn't become that's Maury something Povich. you don't you don't want to happen like the public you wouldn't go handle that at home no um so we take it into the oh, Maury Povich room um for that but it happened <laughs> so i'm sorry you guys it's like midnight and we've been recording for hours multiple episodes of just like i've lost because we love you we love all of you xoxo um <laughs> yeah so you know if they find out that so that's an example where if you find out that they're trying to slip a kid that's not theirs onto their application you could hit them with willful misrepresentation um, because it has to be Wilf. I mean, unless it's like the the child's biologically <laughs> related to the mom, but not the dad. <laughs> yeah, the dad. That one no. probably still tech, might still. Well, I don't know if it technically counts um, in that case. But if they're not related to either parent, yeah, that's willful misrepresentation. And then they'll also usually hit them with a hum, with a human trafficking ineligibility. Ooh, Ooh. those yeah. two are nasty. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's true. That would yeah. be human trafficking. So. Um, I guess I guess in some situations, maybe like human trafficking in the sense that, like, I'm stealing these kids to go to the United States to traffic them for whatever, for sex, for yeah, this, for that or, and the other thing. I think I think it's technically you, human smuggling. It's human. It is, it is human <laughs> smuggling. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to pay you for your kids if I'm stealing them. Right. But if like, you're doing me a solid and taking my kids because they're going to have a better life over there. That's still technically human trafficking, but like I may pay yeah. you to do that. I think we refer to it as human smuggling, actually, in the law. Yeah, um, smuggling sounds more appropriate. Yeah, but it's 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 human smuggling. If you're if you're if you're a human smuggler, then yeah, you're a bad person and you're not eligible to come here. If you get caught, it's 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 a it's a big deal. But and with the advent of DNA testing, this type of fraud has dropped off dramatically. But it still it still happens from time to time. Like um, you find out you're the Golden State Killers kid. Um, sorry, that case was solved with DNA, familial mm-hmm. DNA. <laughs> sorry, <Yeah>. murders, murder, <laughs> murder, murder, kill, murder, murder, kill. Um, you know, it's interesting okay. that when it gets to be really late, we Katrina's mind goes straight to just homicide. Giggles that, and murder. Does. That's Giggles, all it does. Giggles and murder. That's all it is. <laughs> For those yeah. of you guys who do, are really true cram- that- crime fans. You guys know what I'm talking about, Golden State Killer, and he just did his guilty plea hearing recently, like last week. And one of the statements, so like this thing, like was huge, right? Like he pled guilty to all of these things, like charged and uncharged crimes, and all of this stuff. And at one of the things, one of the the attorneys was like, da, 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 and, and you did this, and you know, explaining the factual basis for the the plea, right? And um, he and she ended it by saying, and the you know victim said that the perpetrator had a very small penis, a fact that was reiterated by many of the victims <laughs> in the whole room. Wow. Just applauded. Wow. Well, this guy like pled guilty like sixty murders and like seventy five or eighty rapes, like so wait, through the seventies. So wait, when does Colt get convicted? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Midnight was so off topic. <laughs> so wrong, you guys. So wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess I need to apologize. God, you know, we're, we, we're, now, we're supposed we, to we, stop the apologies, but <laughs> you spoiled you spoiled happily ever after season six. <laughs> These are, I think, a good introduction to visa scams. Three common types where all parties are 
involved and it involves relationships. Obviously, a lot more, a lot more to come. And um, I'm yeah. really curious to know ones where only one party is complicit in it and the other party doesn't know. Like, yeah, those are interesting. I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, like I'm fascinated. I can't wait to hear more about those. So um, we'll have those on another um, episode, uh, maybe when with the Maury Povich episode where dad finds out he's not the father. I don't know. I don't know what these are going to be. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Well, that also gets into uh, questions of, uh, of citizenship, right? Sometimes um, citizenship law is actually way more complicated than people think. And there's some weird screwiness that can, that can occur with it. Um, so if people want to hear about that, we can also slot that in at some point in the future. But yeah, next time we bring this topic up, I'm going to talk about visa scams where only one party is is, is complicit in the scam. I want to know, is this like is like caveman ones? Do they like bonk somebody over the head with like a mallet and drag him across the border? Like, I'm really curious as to know what these are going to be. Um, but we will find out on a future episode. Stick with us. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. We'll have a, a announcement about some changes coming to the Patreon coming up soon-ish. Um, we uh, have, like I said, lots of good stuff coming up and more stuff about uh, visa scams. So stick with us. Thanks for listening. That's all we got. Thanks. Bye. Hey, fraudcasters. You know, I used to find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. They were the first thing to take off when I got home. But Skims has changed all that. You guys know I love my Skims Fits Everybody t-shirt bras. I own them in just about every shade now. I wear them every single day when I leave the house. And they are completely worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I was not expecting from them was how comfortable they are. Even the underwire bras that I wear all day, I barely even notice. Definitely not the first thing I take off when I come home anymore. Y'all, I'm a 36 double D and I've had a reduction and I've gone up and down and lost weight and gained weight and all the things. And the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, I swear, fits me the best. I finally found a t-shirt bra that I can wear. But not only that, it is the best bra that I own. It holds the girls in so well. And let me just say, Hetero Life Mate really appreciates these bras too. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com. Now available in 62 sizes from a 30A to a 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, please be sure to let them know that we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show, The Fraudcast, in the drop-down menu that follows.